season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Homer Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigland and I'm the host. I want to welcome you back to week three of season two today. It is February 18th. Today's episode sponsor is going to be For Him Glove Company out of Phoenix, Arizona. But we are back with former Kansas City Royals draftee, current pitcher in the Twins organization, Josh Mitchell. Um, he was a 2020 Rule 5 draft pick, so he's going to be our first Rule 5 draft pick on the podcast. Super excited to hear about that. Um, today, today was just a great interview with him. I learned a lot from Josh. Um, learned a lot about his story, and he's got a great story to share, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, today we discussed a little bit about his recruiting process a while back, um, just his time at Pittsburgh where he ended up going to school, just overcoming some losses that he's had in his career. Um, we'll talk about the Rule 5 draft process, what all went down there, how he found out about the new team he was going to be playing for, talk a little bit about the agent selection process, as I always do with some players. Um, we talked about quite a other bit of stuff too, so uh, make sure to listen in, and I hope you guys enjoy. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we've got 2000, 2017 Kansas City Royals draftee Josh Mitzel, now currently in the Twins organization. Josh, how are you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on the podcast. Of course, hey, thank you for coming on, man. So uh, let's just let's get started. Uh, one thing I like to ask with some of my guests is, uh, for those people who don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself? Oh, man. That's kind of a tough question. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, for starters, everyone knows the occupation. I'm a left-handed pitcher right now for the Minnesota Twins. But uh, best way to describe myself, um, I guess someone that wouldn't take no for an answer. Um there's a lot of uh, obstacles that have been in the way from, you know, you know, uh, being a college pitcher, um, getting cut from my college team to uh, getting to where I am today on the verge of being in the big league. So uh, just someone who doesn't take no and someone who just keeps their heads, head down, and does, does their job no matter what, um, what the situation is, what the circumstances are, um, someone who's just never going to give up. Well, that's, that's the type of attitude I like to hear. But to start off the actual interview process, the, the interview part of this, um, I kind of I want to throw it back a little bit. Um, okay. Usually when I start with – when I interview athletes, I'll talk to them about their recruiting process. Most of the guys I've had on are either college athletes or even guys who are committed to college. So for you, graduated in 2017 – well, you, you became a pro in 2017, so it was a while back now. So let's okay. kind of go through your recruiting process to Pitt. You said that you got cut from your – college team so can you kind of go through that for us yeah so I mean the process um was kind of hectic at first there were a lot of schools um that came on kind of late just because of I don't want to say I was a late bloomer in high school but I started to figure some things out started to focus more on baseball and really any other sport so a lot of bigger schools came into play at the end so I made my decision um very tough and it was very frustrating <laughs> but uh Pitt was actually the last school to offer, and I thought, great, I get to stay home. You know, I'm only, you know, an hour and a half to two hours away from my family. They can come watch all the time. So in my in my mind, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer picking Pitt. 
Okay. So when exactly did you receive that first offer from a college? My going, so the end of my freshman summer going into my sophomore year, um, I played fall ball for the Allegheny Pirates, which is the Pirate Scout team. Um, and I think the, yeah, and the very first offer I got was from uh, Marist, I believe it's Marist University in New York. And uh, they were on me pretty hard from the start and then kind of tapered off once the bigger schools like the Virginia Techs and the the uh, Virginias and NC States and all them kind of uh, started dabbling in the cookie jar a little bit. <laughs> okay. So uh, what, so out of those bigger schools, once those bigger schools started reaching out, uh, what were those conversations like with the bigger schools compared to what um, it was for some of those smaller schools that were reaching out to you? So those smaller schools, they, uh, they really built, they really built or they tried to anyway. Um, and a lot of them did a very good job building like a very, a real personal connection, like almost like, you know, like a family atmosphere. Um, even the smaller schools that I did visit, they really, they really uh, were big on the camaraderie with the guys, you know, just being a family. And then compared to the bigger schools, it was more of like a sales pitch. You know, you're honestly, I felt like just the, sometimes you feel like just another statistic, you're just another number to them because they're going to give, you know, the same kid, you know, they're a different kid, the same pitch two hours later. And so it was, when those big schools come calling, it was kind of like, who has the better sales pitch? Who can give me more of this? Who can, who has the better gear? Who has the, you know, which, which, um, which uniform looks cooler kind of thing. It was all the bells and whistles. And then they really just kind of, it was a, it was a business, a business meeting to them. It's really all it was. Okay. So what, what were those bigger schools that did have contact with you and actually did offer for you? Uh, Virginia Tech was a big one. Uh, obviously Pitt. West Virginia. Um, Kentucky for a little bit. That was that was kind of just like a one phone call kind of deal. UNC uh, was a couple week thing. They kind of said that you know I had to have a decision. Really, they really didn't give me an offer per se, like on paper. But it was like you know, do you want to be a Tar Heel and you have a week to figure it out? And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to rush into it. So um, those are probably the ones that were on me the hardest towards the end. Those three, my top three would have been uh, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and West Virginia for sure. Okay. So you said Pitt was the last school to offer you. So when exactly did they give you that offer? About So they gave me it in the fall of my senior year. Okay. So, so what, pretty much – and they were the last school because I think it was two weeks later I find, I said, this is where I'm going. So there could have been more offers coming on the table, but I kind of shut it down and said, this is where I'm going, made my announcement, and, and did the whole, you know, hat thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so when they when they offered you, you pretty much knew that's exactly where you wanted to be? I knew – I think, in my opinion, it gave me the best opportunity uh, because West Virginia was, was loaded at the time. So was Virginia Tech. Um, and I went and visited Pitt, and I'm from a very small town in Pennsylvania. And uh, I was looking for a change. West Virginia is kind of, you know, Morgantown's kind of like the only, only, only thing really going on in West Virginia. Um, Blacksburg is nice. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it when we traveled there and played there. But um, I wanted a change. And you know, the city of Pittsburgh. You know, you got the you got the Pirates, you got the Penguins, you got the Steelers, you got the nightlife, the social life. There's stuff to do. And I'm like, you know, I could really hop on board with this. And I was telling my mom that on my way to my official visit. I'm like, I could really hop on board with um, 
you know, living in the city for, you know, how, three, four years. At that time, I was hoping three, then get out, get drafted. But, you know, I could, I could, yeah, I could really, you know, enjoy it. So I think uh, that, that really, you know, helped, aided me towards, you know, picking pit and then seeing the facilities, seeing the chance that, you know, I get to play in, I got a chance to play in the ACC, you know, it was, you know, unless I was going to LSU or somewhere down south to play in the SEC, I wasn't going to get a better opportunity. So I figured, you know, why not, why not run with this? And it, yeah. and the best part of being in my home state too. Yeah. So the, the University of Pitt, that's actually pretty close to downtown. Yeah, I think, so the campus is the campus is in Oakland. It's called Oakland, Pennsylvania. It's like a little suburb. The city of Pittsburgh, man, is maybe five minutes, maybe. Okay, that's that's like not the heart of the city. At all. Uh, and even in the city, you really don't need a car. Like there's so many so many forms of public transportation. It's it's pretty it's pretty easy to navigate. Yeah. So overall, you'd say your experience at Pitt was all that you imagined. You you, you enjoyed your time there. Um. <laughs> let's define enjoyed. I uh so. My college experience, man, was, you know, socially and school-wise, I had a great time with my teammates and my friends. On the field, wasn't that enjoyable. I, You know, if you look up my numbers, I wasn't very good in college. Um, I had shoulder surgery my freshman year. I was, I was, I actually went in and had a very good fall as a freshman, um, impressed the coaches and coaching staff enough to where I was slotted to be the Sunday starter. And if you know in college, we, uh, you yeah. know, we play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So I was slotted to be the Sunday starter, and I just – I blew my shoulder out. It was one of those things that, you know, it, I felt like um, I didn't have any issues leading up. I, I, you know, I thought just, you know, I, I get sore. I got sore, more sore quicker than I used to. And when I was younger, I figured, ah, maybe it's me getting older, me throwing more. Come to find out, I tore my rotator cuff, labor man, bicep tendon, and it was still throwing. So we got that fixed. So I missed that whole freshman year. My, my, I missed my whole first year. Come back from my what would have been my sophomore year, but my redshirt freshman year or athletically. And I pitched okay out of the bullpen. Um, it wasn't anything to brag about, but I did have some very good games. I had a, I think I had like a 25 innings stretch where I get, I didn't give up, a, I didn't give up an earned run or something like that. There, there was a, I pitched well, I pitched okay. And then I come back my redshirt sophomore year and throw seven innings. Um, I get hurt again. Yeah, I, I felt like I was on my way out the door that whole year just because when I did get healthy, I was thrown into these bases loaded bases loaded jams and with nobody out, you expect me to punch three guys out and act like I, you know, I, I barely thrown off a mound. It was just I was set up for failure and and me being the type of competitor and person that I am, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Always have, always will be. I yeah. expect to, you know, I expect to be the I expect to be damn near perfect every time I step out there. And we all know baseball is the exact opposite of that. Um, so, and I failed. I, I had a bad year. Obviously, like I said, I only threw nine innings. And and that was enough for my coach or my head coach uh, to say, I'm not going to name drop, but uh, it, was not, it was bad enough for him or to the point where he said, you know, Josh, we we think you'd do better elsewhere. We're going to take, we're going to take, you know, the money that we did give you, we're going to take. We're going to take back and give it to a freshman that had – or a high school kid that had eyes on it or whatever. So, I – you know, for the first time in my life, I went from being a big fish in a little pond in a really small town to just another number. And I never really knew how to handle failure. I never really experienced it. Whether it was any sport I played, I never experienced failure. So, when I failed for the first time, I hit rock bottom. I, you know, there was no 
there was no stopping or no trying to get better. You know, there was no trying to get out of it. It was just a downward spiral and I had nothing to do. I, you know, my physical health suffered, my mental health suffered. And it all led to, um, it all led to that. And it all led to me just really, really considering a, after my, after 2016 and the season, really considering just quitting baseball and just finish out my last year of college somewhere where they were going to pit it somewhere else and just going to the workforce. And I was, I think I would, for the longest time, I was really probably about, probably about the last month of the actual season. I was really committed to just quitting. You know, I, I, yeah. I would show up at that, and that fire, that passion and that, just everything that I had as a kid and I, it even as a young adult, young man was gone. You know, I, I, you always hear these guys, these, the, these guys that play for 18 years or, you know, whatever, like big Ben, for example, I love that man. Love him to death. He knew it was time to retire and, and he did. He went out, you know, he was blessed with 18 wonderful years in the NFL. Me being a Steeler fan, I loved every, every one of them, but, um, I didn't have that. I didn't have that drive to go to the field. I would show up five minutes before stretch and walk out there. Like I, I didn't want to be there. I almost like loathed going to the field. Okay. So how, how did you go from that moment right there to where you became a weekend starter that next season? (laughs) How did you, how did, how how did, how does that, how did you work through that and how did you conquer that uh, challenge in your life? Uh, Well, I admitted, I, I went through some depression and some anxiety as well. Um, and I still am battling the anxiety to this day. I'll, I'll be open about it. I really am. Um, the depression thing really helped when I started, you know, speaking with um, on a regular basis, the sports psychologist, you know, and it, that alone got me to a better place physically and mentally, clearly. But the biggest thing was that summer of 2016, playing in the West coast league for the second summer with the Victoria Harbor cats. And I, to this day, um, he won't admit it. He won't take credit for it, but I give all the credit in the world to why I'm still playing baseball X amount of years later, you know, this being my, I think fifth, fifth year, fifth pro year. Yeah. Yeah. 2022. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been my fifth pro year. I give it all to Jim Swanson, the, uh, owner operator and <laughs> GM of the, uh, Victoria Harbor cats, man. He, uh, he not only did he take a chance on me in 2015 and I succeeded up there. Um, but he, when he brought me back, he, it's almost like the man was waiting for my phone call. You know, the night I got cut, I remember just sitting there and just like, kind of like feeling bad for myself. You know, I was, I was no longer in my eyes, in my opinion, I was no longer Josh Mitchell, this left-handed pitcher that came from nowhere, was expected to do great things and just kind of, petered off and just kind of fell off. I, I, I looked at myself as a failure. But Mr. Swanson saw it as an opportunity for me to get better, for me to grow. Even if it was my last summer playing baseball, he took a chance on me again. And I remember watching um, – I think I was watching MLB Network. And I, and I was just like – and they were talking about summer ball. They were talking about just playing in the summer and like how it was – I was like, you know what, I'm going to give him one more call, one more try. And I even told my parents, I'm like, this is my last hurrah. Like I packed up, you know – Pack my stuff up. I said, you know, whatever happens this summer is what I'm going to remember for the rest of my life is my last time playing baseball. I, I was I was set on it. It was like, you know, you see the guys that leave their spikes on the field after their last, you know, high school game. I, I was I was I had every every bit of 
every intention of doing that in Canada. But I called him up and I remember, I remember specifically saying, I go, Hey, Mr. Swanson. And I'm in this, like, you know, my, I, I have no, like, no pep in my step. No, like I, I was down on myself. I was, you know, sad, upset. And I go, Hey, Mr. Swanson, do you have a, uh, is there by chance you guys have room for one more um, left-handed pitcher starter or reliever on your roster? he paused for like for a good five, six seconds. And I'm like, great, I, I'm too late, whatever my, you know, I'm done. And he chuckled and he goes, we've been waiting for your phone call. And I go, excuse me? He goes, how fast can you get here? I'm like, I'll buy a plane ticket tonight. And he goes, good, I'll see you in a couple of days. And the rest is history. Okay, so how, so you obviously you went that summer, you went to Canada, you had a great summer there. Oh, well, you, like you worked your way back. So how do you go from thinking that's going to be your last summer to getting back on the University of Pitts team? Uh, I, I, you know, like I said, I went up there with like not expecting anything. And all of a sudden the ball started to roll. Like I started throwing a little bit harder. All of my stuff got better. It was like I went up there without, I didn't put any pressure on. I just went up to have fun. I didn't care if I did good or bad. I didn't care about the numbers. They all took care of themselves. And, um, it's nice going back somewhere and walking into somebody's office and they don't even say hello to you. They, they didn't say hello. He did. He smiled and gave me the biggest hug. And I'm like, right there was right. There was enough to make me tear up and I'll never yeah. admit it. But as soon as I, and I'm going to admit it now, but I'll never admit it to his face. <laughs> I, I, I did tear up when I walked out of his office after seeing him that second year, you know, I'm like, this man believed in me. He, he believed in me when nobody else that he believed in me. He believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. And, he saw something special that I didn't see. I look myself. I would look at myself in the mirror and be disgusted. But he would, and then he would look at me and see this this professional picture that I that I was light years away from at the time, thinking that my career was over. But he, uh, yeah, I like I said, I, I that was what it was was the belief in me again. And then once I started to see it, once he started to, you know, he wasn't there to pat my back. He wasn't there to, you know, tell me I'm good or anything. He was a straight shooter. He, you know, he always was, always will be. But he told me what I, not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear for me to get my act together. And you know, once 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 that was the case, it, it was you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the numbers. You know, they they, they, sp- they spoke for themselves, and I had I had some opportunity. I had some other opportunities coming out of um, coming out of that summer, not only to go back to Pitt but other schools too. Yeah. So. Uh... You have that. You have that good summer, like like you just mentioned. Um, you start believing in yourself again. Um, how? What? Can you take? Kind of take us through the day of when you found out you were going to be back on the University of Pitts baseball team. Yeah. So, I had one kind of rough start up there. I think I only went four or five innings. Um, gave up a couple um, early inning home runs. Literally, I know I was tipping my pitches, um, so that everybody knew what was coming. Literally later that night, I want to say the game ended because it was a day game. We were on the bus going to – we had just gotten off the ferry because we had to go from Victoria, Victoria, British Columbia. Is a, it's on an island, <laughs> believe it or not. It's beautiful. But we had, to take a, we had to take a bus to the ferry, a ferry back to the mainland, go through customs in, from Canada into the, into the States and go from there. So we were on our way to Bend, Oregon. And uh, we had just gotten off the ferry. Uh, I had three or four missed calls from my head co- from Pitt's head coach at the time. 
I'm like, oh, I mean, I probably should call him back. And I, I asked Jim what to do. I asked our head coach what to do. I asked my pitching coach. I asked a couple of my teammates that I live with. My like, guys, what do you think? Like, do I call him back? Do I ignore him? Called him back. And after the bad start, you know, he goes, listen, Josh, um, we were thinking about bringing you back after a couple of good starts, but now you can pretty much just forget about it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, if you want to try and walk on, be my guest, go ahead. But, like, you, you know, you're not going to – you pretty much not get you, you. There's no more. There's nothing here for you anymore. Pretty in a nutshell. He didn't say that, um, but that is how my mind took it. And I remember telling him. I paused a little bit. I remember, you know, I I got so angry. I wanted to yell. I, you know, if I if I would have been if we would have been on the ferry still, I'm pretty sure I would have threw my phone in the ocean. But um, I remember telling him, I go, listen here, Skip. I go, you're going to regret this decision. I'm like, you can take my scholarship. You can take every opportunity away from me. But I'm going to be back on campus in the fall, and I'm going to be your Friday night starter, whether you like it or not. And he laughed and hung up the phone. And the last thing I remember thinking to myself as I put my like, – because we played the next – we played that night. I didn't pitch. I just charted the game. And I didn't say a word to anybody. You know, everyone was like, what's wrong with Josh? What's wrong with Josh? And the coaches knew. Just a couple of my guys knew. I, my buddies, they were my real close buddies. I told, I told them not to tell anybody. I don't want to, you know, we're we're not talking about this. I remember laying my head down, my head on my pillow. I'm like, this, this is the day that I. This is like this. This is the moment that defines me. I, you know, this is. There's that line in the sand mentality. You know that quote. You know, you can either look at it and walk away or step over it, take the risk and hop over it. And I took that risk. I and I kicked that and I sprinted through it. And it was, you know, it was, it was life-changing and it changed my life, changed my career trajectory. And I, you know, for to this day, hear that stupid ass chuckle and a click at the end of a, at the end of the phone call, it still gets me out of bed every morning. You know, my yeah. alarm, my alarm goes off and it's, that's the first thing I hear, and it's just this instant fire. You know, it's – people think I'm pissed off in the morning. Well, <laughs> now you know why. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you – so you obviously, you grinded through that. You're a grinder. You got that – you had that phone call. You think of that phone call a lot. That fall and that season, was your relationship with that coach, was it different than what it had been in the past? Like, were you angry at him, or did you use him as motivate? Like, Obviously, you used it as motivation, but were you angry at him as well? Oh, it was all the above. <laughs> yeah. It was all the above, man. But my mom told me one thing. My mom's always been – she's always been in my corner, she, no matter what. Um, and she was never the person to put her arm around my shoulder and, like, her arm around me and, like, pat me on the back. You know, I thought I was hard on myself. I think she's harder than me, harder on me than I am, which is impressive. But uh, <laughs> she told me one thing that her dad – um, had told her when when she was growing up, she never really told me the age. I don't think she wanted to be embarrassed. But, uh, Josh, we keep our friends close and our enemies closer. So I remember, I like, I took that with me. I'm like, she goes, you have two options. You can be bitter and let him dictate how your season goes. Or you can act like nothing ever happened. You don't have to talk to him. Go about your business. And go back and do what you told him and you told everybody you were going to do. And from that moment on, it was, you know, when I saw him, it was like a head nod or I'd just walk by and wouldn't say anything. 
but I, I, I went about my business and I took care of my business. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that felt great that next year when you, when you had a successful season and you ended up getting drafted, I'm sure that was an amazing feeling just to have that motivation that um, just getting clawed down by your coach and grinding through it and just working your way through it. I'm sure that was an amazing feeling. You know, it, you know, it's sweeter when you do something like that. You yeah. have something to hand to you. It's real sweet when you finally earn it. And I remember getting a call on draft day and, um, I know, you know, I wasn't a high pick. I was in 22nd round. You know, if, they, if we did the draft, if I was getting drafted in today's, today's draft, probably wouldn't have got picked, but I was a 22nd round. I was picked 660. And I remember crying like I just went 1-1-1 one, one, one overall. You know, it, it was it, – it was I, – I can't put words to it because, in the, you know, I was so happy. I was so excited. The first thing I thought of, I looked at my mom. I said, Mom, I, I, I did it. She goes, you got – she goes, I know, Josh, you're a professional athlete. I go, no. I'm like, I proved them all wrong. I didn't care that the fact that I just got drafted, that I'm going to have a little bit of money in my pocket, that I get to play this game, I get to continue to keep playing this game. I was more satisfied, more – proud of myself that I proved everybody on that pit team wrong. Yeah. No one expect no one expected me to come back. Players didn't expect me to come back. And I I just like you know like I told you how to describe myself. I put my head down and did the work. I didn't listen to anybody chirping. I didn't listen to anyone, you know. I just went about my business. I did my job. I took care of my business and pretty much just said F you to everybody else. Yeah. So when you were when you were going through that process of uh, proving everybody wrong. Were there people on your team? Were there teammates that were in your corner, on your side, saying like, "Hey, you got this," or was was there anything like that at all? Yeah, I had a couple guys. I, I I did, and I'm still I'm still great friends with them to this day. You know, they um, because I remember when I told them I wasn't coming back originally. You know, they were a little upset, um, but they understood from a business decision it was the right thing for me to do you know, move on, go somewhere where I'm going to get plenty of opportunities um, to, you know, advance my career. But I remember calling the day I got back to the States. I remember telling them, like, listen, boys, I'm back. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm coming back. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to prove I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to, you know, we're going to be teammates. We got one last ride. Let's do it right. And, uh, you know, I was excited, but I think they were, they might've been a little more excited to have me back. Yeah. It was, it was, that was a, that was a good call. I remember that call. I remember those couple calls actually, sorry. They were, they were good calls. I was, I was excited to come back. I was excited to be a part, you know, and, and they, they were graduating that year. I was still a redshirt junior, but it was, it was cool to have the last go around with them. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause those are the guys you came in with when you were a freshman. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned a little, a little bit ago, you mentioned the draft, you mentioned that phone call and just the conversations you had with your mom but can you kind of take me through the whole dra- your whole draft process? Like when did how early? Um, sorry, how much? How much before the draft did teams start reaching out to you? And what were those conversations like? Oh, from my first start of the year, teams started reaching out. You know, I went down. We went down to um, uh, where were we at? Kissimmee, Florida, to start. The, like it was like a Snowbird Classic, they called it. And we played against Kansas State, and I. Uh, I, I had a perfect game going through the first seven innings. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, it was, it was like my coming out party. If that, if you could say that um, instantly right after that um, phone calls, letters in the mail, emails, you know, 
text messages, whatever, you, whatever snail mail, whatever way yeah. you could think, whatever way you could think they could have got a hold of me, they got a hold of me. And then after that, um, I had another good start, and I started, you know, having meetings, one-on-one meetings with with um, with the uh, head scout or the national cross checker. And then all of a sudden, agents started getting involved. It was like it was, you know, it it was just it was unbelievable what what was happening in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And what were some of those conversations like with some of those head scouts and the cross checkers? What were some of those conversations like? What round do you think you deserve to go? You know, if we take you with this round with this amount of money, will you sign? Um, what's your number? What's the lowest number you can take? Uh, stuff like that. It was, okay. you know. Yeah. So leading up to the draft, where did you kind of think you were going and kind of what was your thought process? So there was a stretch there for the while where I was, you know, a lot of those guys, they have some say, they have some pool. So you got to take what they say with a grain of salt. And I think I didn't, and I, I was naive at the time. So every time, everything they told me, I believed. Um, uh, after, you know, I had a stretch, I had a run of, I think, four or five starts in a row that were very good, you know, about a month before the draft. And they were like, you're going to go in the top 10 rounds. You're going to be a day two pick, all that stuff. And then I, well, I guess you could say I started reading my press clippings a little too early, and uh, I got lit up the last month of the season, and that fell, obviously. Um, but, you know, originally top 10, and after that it was like, you know, you're going to go in the first 15, and then the top 20, and then, you know, everyone kept saying top 20, top 20, top 20. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. As long as I'm not the last pick in the draft, I'll consider it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so could could you so that day three selection? Could you kind of take us through that selection? You get in the phone call, your conversations with your mom. Uh, can, can you just take us through that whole entire process? Yeah. So I I know for a fact I wasn't going to be a day one pick, and the 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 real real kicker was our season ended. I think I had about three weeks until the draft. So I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was I was driving myself nuts. I was so stressed out. But uh, I knew it wasn't gonna be a day one pick, so I really didn't follow it. I had some buddies going day one and day or day one, so it's your first and second round. I was happy for them. Texted them, called them. And then day two started, and I started getting phone calls like, "Hey, will you take this amount here, here, here?" Or, "What do you think about this?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, let's do it. I'm all for it." Nothing ever happened. And after that, I was like same at the B like I you know I started I started like these guys are telling me this and it's not happening and I'm getting frustrated so remember day three I said mom I told my parents mom dad I'm gonna go golf like I don't I, I, I don't care like you know you guys can sit home and watch it whatever um went out golfed 18 holes and I came back um we were in the 20th round and I and the best part was like I put my phone on silent I didn't listen to anybody. I went out. I I didn't want to hear from anybody. If I was going to get drafted, they were going to take me. You know, that was my thought process. Yeah. Um, went out, golfed, came home. Look at my phone. I had a couple texts, a couple missed calls, and I wasn't. I wasn't going to call them back. I wasn't going to. I didn't care. You know, I was. I was over it. Um, I said to myself, "I'm like top twenty. You know, didn't go. You know, I, I, it's the resentment." a baseball started to come back again and uh, go upstairs, shower, come back down. It's 22nd round. My phone starts ringing. Like, I don't know this number. Like, I'm not going to, I was like, I'm not going to answer it. I was like, my dad's like, what are you doing? So I answered it. <laughs> <laughs> I answered it. And 
the head scout for the uh, Kansas City Royals. Like, his, he goes, this Josh? I go, yes, sir, it is. Lonnie Goldberg and all that stuff. He goes, check. You watching TV? I go, I got the draft on, you know. He goes, get your phone ready. I go, I go, what are you talking about? And my name pops up. Kansas City Royals select left-handed pitcher, Josh Mitchell. And it, you know, it, I, I I saw it. You know, they they always say seeing is so you got to see it to believe it. <laughs> Still didn't believe it when I saw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, it was it was a different day. Yeah, I'm sure. So you get selected. Uh, what were those days like after the draft? Uh, how often were you talking with the scouts? The were you talking to the general manager? Can you kind of take us through those days after the draft as well? Yeah, so the day after the draft, I hopped on a plane and went to, went to Arizona. Started working. Started did the did the post draft camp with the Royals. You know, it wasn't, okay. wasn't a whole lot of celebrating. It was a lot of uh, I got to pack up and we got to get moving. <laughs> yeah. So even with that one year left of eligibility, you that was your you were no doubt not going back to Pitt. You were signing with the Kansas City Royals. Oh yeah, I was going. I was out. Okay. And at this time, was was Raza? Was Raza? Was he your agent, or did you have an agent at the time? So that's that's funny. Um, Raza and Blake Karoski, um were I. Somebody put them him in touch with me. You know, I didn't know who they were. Uh, all the other agents I had talked to had, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of. Didn't like them. But <laughs> Blake called me on my drive from hometown back to Pittsburgh. And we agreed to terms there. <laughs> and just on the, just on a phone call. Just on a phone call. I said, I'm all for it. You know, he took me on. He took a chance. And uh, yeah, I'm still with Blake and Raza to this day. And I love him. I yeah. love him to death, man. Those guys are some of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, believe that's how I, got con- I believe that's how I got connected with you. When I had Raza on the episode, I think I got connected with you somehow there. But I think I – because I, um, I believe I shared the picture of – Raza on your podcast on my Instagram story, I believe it was. Okay. And I think we we talked after that. Okay, that might have been it. Um, yeah. But uh, you said you didn't like the other agents. So kind of when did agents start reaching out to you, and what was it that you didn't like about them? Uh, just false promises was the biggest thing. You know, um, you can tell that they're just trying to sign guys and hoping that someday they become a meal ticket, you know, and I, it, it just it seemed it just seemed slimy. It just didn't seem – just didn't seem professional, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they started reaching out, honestly, right after the beginning of my season. You know, I had that great start to start the year. And that's when they started calling. And it was like these guys were forcing stuff on me. I was just like, I'm like, no. Like, I just – realistically, I didn't want to talk to scouts. I didn't want to talk to agents. I just wanted to play baseball. That's all I wanted to do. Um. And Blake and Raza saw that, and Blake and Raza, you know, will, will have gone to bat for me a few times, um, still do. Although, I mean, they still do. They've been in my corner through all the surgeries, the injuries, and they've made sure that they made sure that they've uh, they've done their job. They've yeah. really they've left, they've left no stone unturned, for sure. Yeah. So you said you guys agreed to a contract, agreed to the terms on the phone. Was that Was that before the draft, or was this after the draft? That was after. Okay, so you went through the draft without an agent. Oh, yeah, I did it all on my own. Okay. I, I, I jokingly said my mom was my agent. <laughs> okay, which for a lot of people, I mean, the parents do help out quite a bit. But 
for they do uh, they really do yeah um for any of the collegiate players listening what are what what are some of the best qualities true gravity baseball has to offer for some players you're not you're not a number man they don't they don't they don't bring on uh you know 80 guys a year they don't have this ridiculous um ridiculous pool of players we have i think it's i believe 40 or 45 guys um I have a personal relationship with Raza, with Blake, with um, our equipment lady, Elizabeth, who is now uh, Blake's wife. But uh, I have a personal relationship with everybody in the company. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like that family atmosphere. It's, you know, they, they and I know for a fact, I know for a fact, they will go to back me and have my back no matter what. And I will have the same. Yeah. All right. Well, like, well, um, I don't know if you've looked through my Instagram account, but obviously I'm trying to be an MLB agent. So usually I'll kind of go through that process of asking all the players I have on mm-hmm. just about their agents, kind of get the player side of things. But yeah. I kind of want to move in now to the Rule 5 draft. You're actually the first Rule 5 draftee I'm having on the podcast. So there we all go. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, that's um, nice. <laughs> yeah. There's very, very few people at Rule 5 draft picks. So I, I think a lot of people misunderstand the Rule 5 draft. So can you kind of take us through the situation you were in? And just your whole experience with the Rule Five Draft. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy this story. <laughs> so it was the COVID year, so no minor league season. I'm home, and I'm working at a bakery. I wake up early in the morning, go in and help bake, deliver all this stuff in the mornings. I'm getting up early. I'm getting up at like three forty-five, four in the morning to get to work by four thirty. And um, I get done around. 11, 11.30, maybe noon on a longer day. And I'm so tired, I got to go home and take a nap, right? Yeah. I, I wake up to my phone buzzing and four missed calls from Blake. And I go, hey, Blake, what's up, man? And I'm, like, trying to play off the fact that I just woke up. <laughs> like, trying to. And he goes, and he I goes, catch you a bad, bad time. I go, I don't uh, No, I'm, no, I'm good. Just, just hanging, hanging out. What's out. up? What's up? And he goes, you know what today is? I go, it's a Thursday. What, what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, it's December 10th. I go, Thursday, December 10th. Yeah, what? He goes, it's a real fine draft. I go, oh, really? <laughs> I, get, I just completely caught off guard. <laughs> and he starts dying. He goes, dude, you're about to get taken in the rule five draft. You don't know what day it is. I go, Blake, man, all the days run together. I don't remember. Like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. He goes, all right, well, I got some, I got some, uh, you know, I've got some, some words, you know, I, I've been hearing some stuff, and he goes, "It'll be tough in the it'll be tough in the big league one, because um, Kansas City protected you." I go, "No, they didn't." He goes, "What? Like they didn't protect me?" He goes, "Oh, and they." He goes, <laughs> "And you and you know, Blake's kind of he's Canadian." <laughs> he goes, "They effing deserve to lose you at this point." I go, "Yeah." <laughs> so, um, we go go into the draft. And uh, it's a quick one. Teams pass, you know. Um, it's not really like you know you get a couple minutes or whatever. It's not like an actual draft where you have to make we have to make a selection. You can either pass or make a selection. You come up, and I believe it was the 40th pick in the Rule Five, and you know, it just so happened that Minnesota wanted me. Minnesota took you know. They saw something they liked, and I'm forever grateful because I love it in this organization. So after that selection, uh, did you hear from the Kansas City Royals at all? out was it kind of just all minnesota no i did and you know it was like the uh, the guys that reached out uh the assistant gm jj picola um a few pitching coaches uh the pitching coordinators um 
you know, they said, just, this is a wonderful opportunity for you, you know, take advantage of it. Um, you know, it, you know, you know, we didn't want to see you go, but you don't want to protect so many people, that kind of thing. And, uh, but they were, um, the pitching coaches, coordinators and teammates were, you know, they were happy for me that I was getting a shot elsewhere for, um, you know, just an opportunity to, to, you know, put myself in a situation like I am now to be on the cusp of the big leagues issue. So, yeah. So what went on after that? Did you have to sign a new contract or was it kind of just show up and play ball? Show up and play ball was really all it was. I got, you know, I was, I was, I'm, you know, I got a lot of phone calls from a lot of different people. Um, didn't remember the names at first, but um, got put on the twins throwing program, uh, the way to ball stuff, you know, everything that the twins do. I was, they shared with me and they told me to get, you know, pretty much get going and see in spring training. <laughs> yeah. So after one year in the Twins organization, what's kind of the biggest differences you've seen between the Royals and the Twins organizations? The analytical department. Uh, I believe our Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins analytical department and player development is uh, second to none, quite frankly. I really do. Yeah. So how was is, how is the first season uh, playing with the Twins organization? How was the first minor league season? Um, what were kind of some of the things you enjoyed and some of the things you maybe didn't enjoy? Well, I mean, the season was cut short. I only played one month. Uh, I ended up getting Tommy John. Okay. Um, yeah, didn't like that. But, you know, can't really control that. Um, but the things I liked, I, I mean, I loved my I loved my pitching coaches and coordinators, the guys that, you know, um, the guys that were hands-on with me. Uh, the team, my teammates were great. I just, then the chance of just like going out and having a clean slate. I feel like I didn't have to, for some reason in Kansas city, uh, I don't know whether it was the persona or what, you know, what they, how they gave off their uh, view or, or what they wanted. But I just, I felt like another number there. It was kind of like the same pit situation. I didn't feel welcome there. I got over here and it was like, I was welcome with open arms and it was just go out and have fun. Yeah. Um, with a little bit of analytical, uh, um, numbers and stats to back up my performances, to back up my my play and just get better. And you know what? It, my my everything took off. You know, even though it was only six innings, it was still you know the most fun and the best I pitched. You know, I gave up one, I think one or two runs, and it was that's the only reason why you know the ERA looks like it does. I think it's a four, but like I was pitching the Twins way, and I was having more fun doing it and having better results. Yeah. So now that you've been playing pro ball for a few a few seasons now, what are kind of some of the best memories you've had so far at this point in your career playing pro ball? <laughs> um, all those long bus rides, man. This the time to trying to pass time with your teammates, uh, just hanging out on the bus and getting to know them better, I guess you could say. Um, and just really like um, developing those friendships into something else, you know, something more, something you know, lifelong brothers. Because uh, quite frankly, man, it's it's getting better, but the minor leagues it's it, it's it's something to be. Uh, it's just it's something. That's the best way to put that. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, the camaraderie you build just by embracing that. You know, I guess embracing the suck is the best way to describe it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my relationships with my teammates that's that's what that that's my thing. You know, I'll have those I'll have those relationships for the rest of my life and some of those guys will be at my wedding someday. So, yeah. So, uh, so you're talking about relationships. Who are some of the closest bonds you've built with some of your teammates? Closest bonds. Um so a couple of guys, especially from Kansas City. Uh 
it was actually our first pick in the 2017 draft was Nick Prado. We still, you know, we're still close to this day. We still talk to this day. Um, and uh, I lived with him actually in my first year in Loway. Loway. Um, we lived together and, you know, it was just one of those things we, we uh, hit it off early on when we first got drafted. Um, and we just continued to just keep the friendship there. You know, he's, he's probably the biggest one, honestly. And it's, uh, it's just, you know, he's, he's, he's a buddy of mine. He's a great friend. He's a great player, obviously. And, uh, uh, yeah, it speaks for itself right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got one little topic conversation I'll talk about, talk about to end off the podcast. Um, so obviously MLB, the MLB lockouts going on right now, CBA Mm -hmm. negotiations, obviously that's big, that's big within the baseball industry right now. So what's kind of, how is that affecting you and what's kind of your mindset right now as the season's supposed to be starting soon and there's no, um, new contract or new CBA? Well, since I'm not on the 40 man, it doesn't directly affect me right now. And since I'm still in rehab, once again, it really doesn't directly affect me right now. Um, there will be a minor league season that's going to start on time because, like you know, we don't have the union yeah. and all that. Yeah. So, I, so right now, it's my thoughts on it is just I, you know, obviously would like to see a deal get done eventually, just so we can, so the big leagues will start on time and spring training's right around the corner. But for me, I'm trying not to think about it and look into it too much, just because I just want to focus on getting out of rehab and uh, preparing for whatever wherever I start, whether that be AAA or wherever. Yeah. Um, I'm just preparing for that. That's my okay. that's my biggest thing. So I'm trying to keep my keep my nose and ears away from that one. <laughs> okay, like so it's, how, it's a so slippery it, slope that guys will get caught up in, and instead of yeah. worrying about their day to day process. Yeah. So it doesn't affect your spring training process at all. When do you head down to um, Arizona? So I'm actually so the twin. Yeah, the twins are in Fort Myers, Florida. Okay, I'm, that's I'm, sorry, sorry, that's my bad. Oh, you're I'm good. You're fine. And I'm already I'm already down here since I because of rehab. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, well, so when exactly do you plan? What's the process right now? When when should you be back pitching this season? So hopefully, I'll be. Well, not hopefully. I feel pretty good as it is. Uh, the bullpens are going very well. The the velocity is starting to kick back up. Um, you know, everything's been going really well. I'm kind of ahead of schedule. I should be getting cleared uh, next month, actually, for okay. all. Um, baseball operation or baseball or competition, stuff like that. Um, but since spring training is still a couple months away, it's going to be still a slower build up because there's really no rush. But next month is supposed to be the month where I get cleared and I'm good to go. Awesome. Well, wherever you end up this season, I'm hoping I'll be able to make it out to a game or two, watch you pitch, watch most some guys got most some guys down. So um, Josh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, episodes going to be airing here pretty soon. So, I'm just I'm thankful for you coming on the show. I loved hearing your story, and I'm I'm a big fan here from here on out. Ah, uh, Jace, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be on the podcast, man, and I really enjoyed my time on it. It was a, it was a good talk. It was fun. And there we go. Some more great content coming out today. Just a great interview today with Josh. I just really want to thank him for coming on the show. Um, lots of lots of great content today. Like I said, um, I actually had a hard time finding the quote for this week's Enlightened Thursday because there's just so much great content that Josh was pouring out. The story he was giving us. I'm really excited to see what Josh does in his career. Right now, he's knocking on the door of the major leagues. So hopefully, we're able to see that this season. 
Um, make sure to tune in next week as I've got three guys coming on the show. I've got Fort Wayne native and Cincinnati Reds prospect Hayden Jones coming on the show. Also got Alabama baseball commits Ahmad Duff and Nash Wagner coming on. So I'm excited to get that uh, those rolling. Those all three will be available on YouTube. Uh, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Just look it up, YouTube, um, JKR Podcast. Type that in. Give it a subscribe. Um, also follow us on social media. We got Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram, um, at JKR underscore podcast. Make sure to check those out. Um, for other content consider um, about the podcast, just check out our website at www.jkrpodcast.com. Um, just lots of great stuff going on right now. So uh, make sure to tune in next week for those three guys, and I'll catch you guys then.